Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. So uh, we're going to speak about forgiveness, but I'm gonna, this is kind of like a part two, almost like a follow on of what he preached last Sunday. Does it sound good to you? Cool. You see, overflow is actually God's idea. It's nothing new. We haven't come up with some clever concept, you know. That we didn't create it. It's God's idea, and it's His way for us to live. It's His design that we would live out of overflow. You see, everything, uh, when, when a container or something gets filled up, it flows over, right? The question is, what is flowing over or out of the container? Is it good or is it bad? So this morning, I'm going to teach you something that's really simple, but it is incredibly powerful. In fact, it's so powerful that if you would let it, it will change your world. But you're going to have to activate your faith this morning. All right, you're going to have to activate your ears and your eyes to hear what I'm saying. Because if you don't, you're going to miss out on what I'm saying. Because it's simple, but it's powerful and it's profound. All right? So Jesus said... In Matthew 18, verse 2 to 4, he called a little child to himself, and this is very appropriate because we're dealing, we had Zoe's dedication this morning. We've got three children that are being baptized this evening. It's the first for us as an equipers uh, church, which is really exciting. And there's, there's an amazing move of God within our children's ministry at the moment, all right? So it's very appropriate that we could, we could look at the scripture. And Jesus called a little child to him, and he put the child among them, and he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Father God, I thank you this morning that, Lord, you have given us all an equal shot at inheriting the kingdom of heaven. Thank you, God, that it is not about where we start that determines where we'll end. God, this morning, would you give us the grace to humble our hearts so that we can inherit the kingdom of heaven like a little child. God, open our ears, open our eyes, and help us to activate our hearts by faith this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in life, Whatever values you hold in your heart will be manifest through your actions and through your words. And that is what we call overflow. That's an overflow of someone's life, right? So uh, we speak about out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth confesses, all right? I can see that I'm speaking to a bunch of theologians this morning by your response. <laughs> um, now, I'll tell you a funny story. Maybe this will, maybe this will get you going. Um, I'll talk about myself, seeing as I, I don't want to bring up anyone else's past. So myself as a, as a young man, uh, uh, you know, as a teenager, I can remember, I, I had this all back to front. You know? I, I, I looked at the external uh, of what I wanted to be in, and I thought, well, I'll line myself up with that. So I, I was already a surfer. I always loved the sea, and I loved to surf and swim and those kind of things. And I, but I wanted to become a surfer. Even though I was one, I wanted to be more of a surfer than I already was. So I thought, well, you know, if I'm a surfer and that's what I value in my life, I need to be 
a surfer. Externally, what does that look like? Well, I have to dress a certain way. So I, there was only a certain set of clothing that I would wear. And there were certain name brands that I would wear because I was a surfer. And that's how surfers dressed. And uh, I, my friends and I created this weird lingo at school. And uh, it was so that nobody else knew what we were saying, but it was surfer talk, and surfer jargon. And, uh, and, and then it came time to, to find a girlfriend. And I thought, well, I can't just be with anyone. I need to have a surfer girlfriend. So, so I identified this young lady, unsuspecting, and uh, she was a lifesaver, blonde hair, and I thought she fits the mold perfectly. And uh, yeah, I won't go into further detail, but uh, <laughs> in fact, so much so that when somebody saw this young lady, she said, they said, man, she looks like a surfer's girlfriend. And they said, yeah, she is. She's Bobby Shelton's girlfriend. So there you have it. But you see, what I was trying to do was I was trying to be something that I already was. I was trying to construct an appearance of something that, that I was already living out of. But sometimes the danger is that we try and construct an appearance out of something that we're not. And that gets us into a world of trouble. Now, it's very easy to tell whether someone is showing honor or dishonor to another person. It's very easy. You can tell by their actions what is in their heart. And this is a, it's, that's the overflow that comes out of their heart. Are they honoring or are they dishonoring? It's very much the same as your, your bathroom or your toilet. I'll keep you in suspense. <laughs> so when your toilet overflows, you know, you can see by the action that there's something nasty down in the heart of the toilet, blocking it up. And the thing is, we need to get in there and inspect and find out what's blocking the flow. Because it's creating an overflow. And that's not the kind of overflow we want. But in the same way, when you go out and you, you're down at Ashley Gorge and you see a beautiful waterfall, and you see this beautiful, clear, crystal water overflowing in a waterfall, we, we know that the source of that water is something pure. It's something good. And, and we can go and inspect and we can, and we can see, ah, oh, this is the source of, of the waterfall. It's not always easy to find, but there is a source of that flow, all right? So generally, we look at the external and we create some sort of opinion. We form some sort of uh, value. You know, as the old saying goes, you can't judge a book by its cover, all right? All right, so much of our lives these days are lived in the public eye. With social media, and there's nothing wrong with social media, but it's very important to keep up appearances. So you've got to have a Facebook profile that's just right. You've got to put up a cool, relevant picture. And if you don't have one, you've got to get a photographer or someone to take that picture for you and Photoshop it until it doesn't even look like you anymore so that you can... <laughs> So that you can keep up the appearance of living this cool life, right? Meanwhile, at home, you're just sitting on the couch watching TV, eating a bag of crisps. But on there, you're a mountain runner, rock star, you know, write books. I do all this stuff. Okay, so this is what we have to deal with uh, in our time. And we need to be careful because we can get trapped in these appearances. It can trap us and it can, it can block us from living out of our true self. Now, in Jesus' time, there obviously wasn't social media, right? But the same trap, it's nothing new under the sun. The same trap 
existed. All right, so here's a guy who got stuck in keeping up appearances. If you'd go with me to Luke 7, verse 36 to 50, and this is a well-known uh, passage. Most of us should know this. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard that he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts, Simon... He said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to the one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman, but said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you did not offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So the title of this message is, he who has been forgiven much loves much. So obviously we spoke about forgiveness last week, so this seemed the logical part two of that. All right, so the characters of the story and is obviously Jesus, who is the Lord, and Simon the Pharisee is the first one. So he's a, a Jewish religious leader, right? So I'll explain to you what a Pharisee is in case you're not familiar. So a Pharisee was it's kind of like a cross between a lawyer and a priest. <laughs> and what they would try and do is they would follow the law literally to the letter of the law, okay? They would try and keep every single little detail. They obeyed the law of Moses, and then they, they added like an, a whole few hundred more of their own laws to this to make it even harder for themselves and other people to keep. So they spent all their time studying this law, okay, and trying to keep it. And, and, and what they did is they, they try to make themselves feel good and make other people feel really bad about themselves. And they would always display their good works publicly and, 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 and do that to try and look superior to other people, right? Um, so what this guy does is he invites Jesus to a dinner party. But what he's trying to do is he's not, he doesn't have a sincere interest in Jesus. He's actually just inviting him so he can size him up. And just see, and Jesus is in the height of his popularity. So by doing this, he's, he's hoping to sort of gain some favor by association, right? Get some street cred, all right? So he's having this dinner and he gets him. So his heart's not in the right place. Now, 
Simon does not recognize much of a gap between himself and Jesus. You can see this by the way that he treats him. You look at his actions. So he's keeping up appearances. He wants to appear holy. He wants to keep up the good graces with the people. He wants to appear as though he's got it all together. And he enjoys pushing down people down next to him so that he can feel better about himself. All right? So he, does not, he doesn't see much value in Jesus. And we see this by the way that he treats him. He doesn't wash his feet. He doesn't greet him with a kiss. And he doesn't anoint his head with oil. So those are his actions. Those are his actions. So by his actions, that's overflowing out of his heart, right? So we look at it and we say, well, let's go a little deeper. Let's dig down into that toilet and see what's blocking up the flow. All right? So now I must explain to you that these are strange things for us, you know, washing feet, kissing, anointing with oil. But this was part of the Jewish custom. And this was a way that you showed hospitality to your guests. It was expected that this is the way you would treat your guests, much like offering a cup of coffee or something like we would do in our, in our, in our times. So we can tell that he, he wasn't honoring Jesus. In fact, he was dishonoring. He was nowhere near being humble like a child. In fact, all he wanted to do was just make an assessment. And then we look at the woman. Now, we don't know much about her, and she isn't named, and she doesn't seem to be invited to this party. But yet everybody seems to know about her faults. And they've, they've actually labeled her a sinner. That's what society has na named her, and that's what they've called her. They've given her this title. She is a sinner. She is immoral. We don't know anything other than her, other than her faults. Okay, so her, she's got no accolades. She's got no prestige, no social status, certainly no Facebook profile. Yeah. So she's a nobody other than her sin. But yet, 2,000 years later, here we sit in Christchurch and we're talking about what she did and how she honored Jesus. Let's look at her actions. She washes his feet with her tears and wipes them with her hair. She kisses his feet continually. She anoints his head with costly perfume. Those are her actions. You see, she had no hope of keeping those hundreds of laws. No hope. She probably didn't even know what they were. She was disqualified from ever attaining any sort of redemption, any sort of uh, righteousness. And society constantly told her that she could not live up to that. She had no hope of achieving what was perceived as holiness. She, she missed it by miles. All right, so, so yes, she comes in and she throws herself at the feet of Jesus. And her actions demonstrate that she's, previously she's had some encounter with Jesus. This is not the first time that she's meeting this man. Now, I would, I would guess that she'd had some encounter. Jesus would go around preaching in the streets and healing and teaching. She would have had some encounter with him. This hopeless woman that had no appearance, no, uh, no social standing, no status, nothing to offer, would have had some encounter with Jesus that changed her life and caused her to respond in this kind of way. You see, she had no room for keeping up appearances. No room. She went in 
childlike, childlike, basic, didn't care about what people thought of her. She was going to worship Jesus. And by faith, she gets hold of who he really is. You see, the Pharisee was an expert in the law. He's an expert in the law, and he should have known this. And that's why I said to you, you need to look carefully this morning. Because he was, a, he was an expert in the law. He was an expert. Jesus said, the law and the prophets are summed up in these two commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He's an expert in the law, but he can't see it. And it's right in front of him. You see, the Pharisee was trying to fulfill the letter of the law. He was trying to keep it to the letter. He was trying to, out of a works-based uh, lack of faith, he was trying out of his own actions to earn righteousness. The lady had no righteousness of her own. She had nothing to fall back on except the grace of Jesus. And she throws herself at his feet by faith, hoping that he would save her. She, she makes him her everything. You see, keeping up the appearances for man's sake and keeping up and seeking man's approval, once we start doing that, we start to seek man's approval, we don't care about God's approval. And Paul, Paul put it this way. He says, we cannot please God while we're trying to please man. Galatians 1 verse 10 he says this, obviously I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If people pleasing were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. I would not be Christ's servant. Of those two people in the picture, who's Christ's servant? Who has a sincere love for Jesus? And what does it come from? What does she let go of? What is he holding on to? that stopped them from being the servant of Christ. You see, it's messy. It's messy business. And we don't want our lives to be messy. It's much easier to hang on to the convenient ideals of, and public appearances. We don't want to go through the messiness of having to deal with our lives. It's much more convenient to hold to the letter of the law because it doesn't require much of our dignity. You see... If, if I conform to society's expectations, if I live for the approval of man, if I live for what people think of me, it's, it's, it's an instant gratification. Instantly I get recognized for who I am and for my social standing, and, and it's, it's an instant gratification. But it's much more undignified to become a snotty, muddy mess that gives up everything at the feet of your Savior and acknowledges your humble need for, for Jesus. Are you seeing it this morning? Are you seeing it? It's more, much more dignified to try and hold to the letter of the law. You see, the danger in, in, in pleasing what society or people require of us is that we make a horizontal comparison. Okay, so we make a comparison with the person next to us rather if you want to make a comparison, make a comparison vertically. God is not, he doesn't judge you in terms of, are you better than the person standing next to you? Because their sins are hidden and yours are publicly exposed does not make you better. 
than them. All right? So I need you to see that this morning. All right, so we don't want to make a horizontal comparison. We want to make a vertical comparison. So we stand there like the, like the Pharisee and say, Oh, God, I thank you so much that I'm not like this bad guy next to me. I go to church on Sundays, sometimes twice. I go to e-group, sometimes twice in the week. <laughs> Serve at things, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's good. We should do all of that, but we don't do that so that we can feel good about ourselves. All right. So let's not cheat ourselves by making these horizontal comparisons. Vertically, not sideways. Then we get benefit out of it. We are meant to make a comparison, but vertically, not horizontally. Then we get a true reflection. When we start looking into the Word of God and we're comparing ourselves to what He expects of us, there is benefit. There is benefit. I'm going to show you what that is. So Jesus said, he gave these two, two commands. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Has anybody in the world ever achieved that other than Jesus? No. Okay, so no one's ever done that. So what's the point of giving a command or something that we can never fulfill or never satisfy? Well, I'm glad you asked. That leads me into my first point. First point, if you're writing down notes, and you should be, because it's, it's going to be good to go back and look at this. <laughs> is oh much, oh much, not O-W-E, so, as in owing a great debt. You see, Jesus loved both of these characters, and they both fall short of what's required of them. But the woman knew that she fell short, and society continually reminded her just how short she'd fallen of it. All right, they even labeled her a sinner. You see, the danger is when we start minimizing our sins and trying to conceal the things we've done in order to look good, there's trouble in that because the Word of God says that every secret will be revealed. All right, so we are heading down a very slippery slope. She came to an early realization that she couldn't hide. She wasn't very good at concealing her sins. She really wasn't, and that's why everyone knew what she'd done. All right, so she comes in a desperate need for Jesus, and she's saved. You see, Romans 3 verse 23 says it this way, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. So we make a big mistake when we want to compare ourselves with the person next to us and assume that because our sins are hidden and theirs are evident, that we're better than they are. All right, so let's not, let's not knock Simon here. Let's not climb into the place of, of judgment because then we're no better than him. Okay, we don't want to now be passing judgment on him, so I don't want to lead you into that space. We can learn something, and I think we see a bit of ourselves in both of these characters. All right, so let's not be condemning of anyone. Let's rather compare ourselves to God's standard, and in doing that, we see what the perfect requirement is from us and what it's meant to do. Now, remember, in God's kingdom, everything's upside down. It doesn't work the way the world does. So everything is turned on its head, right? So everything is opposite. Jesus was trying to save Simon the Pharisee's soul. He was just pointing out what he's done wrong, but unfortunately he couldn't see it. And that's why I'm saying this morning, you need to see what I'm saying to you. All right, so in God's kingdom, to be great, we must serve. All right, if we humble ourselves, he will lift us up. Um, 
if we bless, uh, it says, blessed are those who mourn. And here we see it with this, this lady. She comes in, she's mourning. She's, she throws herself at Jesus' feet and she is lifted up by the King of Kings. All right. So don't be afraid of what people are going to say to you. Don't be afraid of the mess. Get real this morning. Get real with God. He's in the house and he wants to help you through this. The point of, of this is to, to recognize that we have a great debt that we can't pay. That is the point of God's law. It's to illustrate to us just how short we actually come. It's not to make us feel bad. It's to give us a truthful uh, appraisal of where we're at in life, all right? So don't be afraid of it, okay? I'll give you this right up front. It, it's ugly when you're being real, okay? There's snot and there's tears and there's mud and it's, it's messy. It's messy. But it, you'll be ugly for a short time. But the Word of God says that blessed are those who mourn for they will be encouraged. They will be lifted up, all right? So when we admit that our debt is great, it's the first step down the path of truth and restoration. So God's promotion starts at a place of truth and humility. When you're at your lowest, you look around and you see that you're actually standing on a rock. And when you do that, you're in good, good company. You see, admitting that we fall way short creates space for the second step, which is forgiven much. And this is where it starts getting fun. The Pharisees saw no need for a savior. He saw himself as an equal with Jesus. He didn't see much of a need for a savior. So he missed out on his salvation. You see, he was looking for his salvation in law keeping. So he was trying to keep the letter of the law. And if we do that, we start to put our faith in external things rather than in God who justifies those that don't deserve it. Are you with me this morning? Okay. So the woman was desperate. You see, if you don't believe that you owe much, you don't believe that you need much forgiveness. And that's where the chain breaks down. I'm trying to, there's actually, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a chain. There's a, there's a sequence that works in God's, in God's house. Owe much, forgiven much, love much. So we're coming to that. But if you break the chain at any point, it's going to cause you to not end up where you want to be at the end, all right? So that, that overflow, that progression is what I'm trying to show you. So we're at the second point, forgiven much. Now, uh, we need to mind the gap. We need to be aware of the gap because the gap is a good thing, believe it or not. Because what, if, if I think I'm this far away from Jesus, there's only that much room to receive forgiveness from him. But if I recognize this gap is infinite, <laughs> it creates a... For he has been forgiven much, loves much. So don't be afraid of letting that gap show. Don't be afraid of that. Allow that gap. Mind that gap. Don't try and cover up your shortcomings and pretend that you have it all together. All right? He, didn't, he came to earth to save the sick, not to save the whole. All right? So Romans 3 Verse 24, and it's the second part of that verse says, Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. You see, Jesus paid a great price for our sins. 
if we minimize our sins, if we minimize our need for him, we're actually saying, I just need a little bit of forgiveness. But God gave his only son, the spotless lamb without blemish, to forgive our sins. How can we say that our sin is small? How can we say that our sin is small? Now, this morning you may be sitting here going, but uh, you know, I've been saved for a long time. I'm a Christian. I don't need to hear a salvation message. I believe we need to hear it all the time. I don't think we ever move away from the foot of the cross. I don't think we ever move. We could sit and, and ponder that for millennia on what he has done. I don't think we fully realize just what was achieved that day. So that's why I'm going back to it this morning, because out of this cornerstone, we live our whole existence, all right? So God's sacrifice, we can't minimize that. We can't minimize the price that he paid for us. If we will only have a small part of Jesus, we will have no part at all. That's how it works. There's no small forgiveness. Both of these people were wrong. There was no, he wasn't trying to say, oh, you know, this lady's got a lot of sins and you don't. What he was saying is she's got a lot of sins and she knows it. You've got a lot of sins and you're hiding it. So there's no small forgiveness this morning, all right? It's a, it's, it's a big part or it's no part at all. We don't want to minimize our faults and our shortcomings and scale down what God's done. Rather, let's be honest about where we're at and allow God to scale up his grace and scale up our faith and our, our opinion of who God is. Are you getting this picture? So it's, it's a glory to God. It's an elevation of his goodness rather than what we've done. All right. So Simon assumed that he says, oh, if you knew what kind of woman this was, you wouldn't let her touch you. But he was assuming that Jesus did not come to earth to spend time with women like this. But in actual fact, he died for people like that. He died for people like you and I, people that are not righteous. He didn't come for the righteous. He came for the unrighteous. All right, so that's a good starting point. Yeah. So she knew his sin was great. Jesus says this to her. He says, woman, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, on the cross, Jesus said this. He said, it is finished. And that is a Greek term for paid in full. It's a legal term. So do you see the similarity between those two verses? Your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. On the cross, it is finished. All right. So what she was doing was by faith, she looked and she could see this was the Savior. So by faith, she got hold of the grace of God that was there for her. And that's what saved her. That's what saved her. She by faith got hold of this. The Pharisee was so blinded by trying to fulfill the law that he couldn't see what was right in front of him. So we don't want to be closed off to that. Do you believe that your debt is paid in full this morning? Okay, Big debt, little debt. You decide which one you want. Can you go in peace? Knowing that your debt is paid. Can you walk out here this morning knowing that you are free, that you are restored, that you are redeemed, that you have God's grace there for you? And the last sequence in the chain, and once we've put all these pieces in place, we've recognized, God, I can't do this. I owe you a massive debt. Wow, Lord, you've, you've forgiven me so 
much. And I think in modern culture, and particularly in first world society, we lose this because we've got everything at our disposal. Who needs Jesus? You know, and we don't want to minimize what he's done for us. When you're living in third world Africa and you have no choice but to believe for a miracle, things get real. When you've got, you know, 10 different physicians and specialists you can go to, it, it, it gives you options. All right, we don't want to miss out on what God wants to do in our lives, all right? So the third one, the last one is love much. So it produces an act of worship in this lady. She loved much. She wasn't saved by her actions, but rather her actions were a result because she believed that she had been forgiven. All right, so they were because of rather than she wasn't saved by them. So we need to get that. So she risks all the shame and the rejection. She pushes through this crowd to get to, to Jesus just to say thank you. Just to say thank you for everything that he's done for her. And she takes what is the most precious thing that she owns. And that's all she could think to do was just take her most valuable thing, which is, would have been her life savings and break it and pour it on the feet of Jesus. And in doing that, now this is where I want you to see this. So in doing that, what she does is something that the Pharisee could not do in all his slaving and trying and beating. And is she actually fulfills the first two commands. She's loving the Lord, her God, with all her heart, all her mind and her strength. And she's loving her neighbor as herself. She's fulfilling the first two laws of Moses as well. She's having no God before him and she's sacrificing her idol. You see, it's in, once God gets hold of your heart and he releases you of the burden of having to serve him and having to fulfill laws, you have the freedom to walk away or to lay it down and say, wow, I owe this Jesus such a, such an amazing debt of grace, such a gratitude. And that's where she finds herself. But if we break down any sequence of this chain, we could lose it. So it's good. That's why I say it's good. And you probably haven't heard teaching like this before, but I'm saying it's good to acknowledge that we owe much. Look at the word. Let the word read you. Acknowledge. I fall short. I do that all the time. And then my wife tells me the same. <laughs> it's good to acknowledge, yes, I fall short. Yes, I owe a great debt. But then we receive a great forgiveness. And out of that great forgiveness flows a great love. And you'll find that by faith, God will give you the grace to actually fulfill the things that He's asked of you in the first place. And you will automatically start to fulfill these things. And you'll start to live a life that demonstrates and flows, has an overflow of love and thankfulness that people can see. And they can see where that well has its source. And that is what the world finds attractive. That is overflow. When I know that all my debt is paid and I'm free because of this man, I owe everything to him and he doesn't demand it from me. Rather, I willingly lay it down. You see, once the demand has been removed and taken away, it becomes freedom of choice. It's will. We willingly. And what He does is He gives us His Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of the law. So you have the letter of the law and the Spirit of the law. Have you ever heard that? 
we try and keep the letter of the law, but what about the spirit of the law? And when Jesus gives those two commands and he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself, he was referring to the spirit of the law, all right? Which summed up all, all the laws that the Pharisees had made. See, they were trying to keep to the letters. But Jesus said, get the heart of it, guys. Get the spirit of it. And not only does He forgive you and release you of that, but He gives you His Holy Spirit to help you. You see, the whole point of this message this morning is to tell you just one simple thing. But I, was, I needed to get through all of this to prepare your heart. Just to tell you this, that He loves you. He loves you. And He has forgiven you. But you don't know that until you understand your debt. You see, there was a man who he had a parachute on in a plane, and he was he was the only guy in the plane with the parachute on his back. He said, "Oh, this is stupid! Like, why do I have to sit with the parachute on?" And the, the air st- uh, the flight attendant gave it to him and said, "Look, this is the only parachute left. You just keep this parachute on your back. You need to keep it on." He said, "Oh, I don't want this parachute on my back. Why do I have to sit with this parachute on all the time? Why do I have to? You know, it's so uncomfortable." But what he didn't know was that the plane was about to go down and he was the only one who would be saved even though he was wearing that uncomfortable parachute. Unless we tell people why they need to wear the parachute, it makes you feel very uncomfortable and very upset. But this morning, I want to say to you that don't focus on the debt that you owe. Yes, there was a debt, but it's been forgiven. Jesus has forgiven you and you are free to do what you want. You can serve him or you can walk out the door and say, Thanks for the forgiveness. Choice is up to you. This morning, I put that before you. The letter of the law leads to the spirit of the law. And the spirit of the law is where you will find the love of God. All right? Out of freedom, we serve Him. Not out of a sense of duty. Do you love much? If you look at your life, is there an overflow of love? Does your life reflect the great love that Jesus has for you. And does this overflow onto those around you? See, we get this backwards. We try to do all the works first. And then we try, we try and love others, love God. And, then, and, and it just, we get all messed up. What we need to do is acknowledge, hey, this is where I'm at. Life is, is not great. It's, it's going to get messy. Okay. Lord, I need forgiveness. You receive that and out of that you know His love and you can love others and you are free to be effective in the kingdom of God. All right. So it's time to get real this morning. Okay, so this unnamed lady, no accolades, no prestige, no social standing. 2,000 years later, here we are talking a message about her life. All right, that is what the kingdom of God is all about. And that is how you inherit the kingdom of God. You get real with Him. You get desperate with Him. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.